This is The Guardian. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. This week, people in Delhi have been told to stay at home as schools and offices were forced to shut down. But this lockdown isn't to control COVID-19 infections. It's to tackle lethal levels of pollution. It's like living in a sort of toxic furnace, really. It's this sense your body has, you know, when you're in it, you can feel it on your body, you can feel it on your skin. It's what's known in India as pollution season. And it's now something that happens every single year as the country heads into winter. Everyone is coughing, everyone is sick, everyone is unable to work, and it stops people going out and living their lives. And it has such a physical impact on almost everyone who lives here. Toxic air kills around 1.6 million people in India every year. It accounts for 18% of all fatalities. So where does this deadly smog come from? And what's being done about it? From The Guardian, I'm Madeleine Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. How dangerous is Delhi's air? You wake up in the morning, out the window, what looks like a kind of brown smog is there, and you've kind of got all your windows and doors closed because as soon as you open them, you feel it in your throat and you feel it in your head. Your lungs start to seize up a little bit, you get a headache, you feel nauseous, and you get this real sense that the air is, that you're breathing is poisoning you. That's Hannah Ellis-Peterson, The Guardian's South Asia correspondent. She lives in Delhi and has been reporting on the air pollution. I have a dog, um, so I have to sort of take him out for a walk, and it's just become a kind of ordeal, this sort of 15 minutes I have with him outside, and I have to come back in. I close all my doors, shut my uh, windows and put my air purifiers on. You know, and I'm somebody who has the privilege of doing that. You know, there's a lot of people who don't have access to sealed homes, to air purifiers, to the knowledge that this is something that's poisoning me and that I need to protect myself. 
it sounds like a really horrendous and kind of bizarre experience as well. I mean, how does life change in Delhi when the pollution is so bad? What impact does it have on the city and the people living there? It's sort of interesting because we've kind of gone through these lockdowns now, so everyone's sort of used to this idea of being stuck in your home. But I feel like the citizens of Delhi have sort of been doing this on an annual basis for like the past five years, where during the pollution season, you just sort of choose not to leave your house. You know, if you have access to an air purifier, you don't even want to be in a car because the fumes are in the car. People are so you know, terrified of this horrific impact that we know pollution has on children. They've closed schools this week, so children can't go to school, but they can't go out and play in the parks, in the streets. For a lot of people, they just stay indoors for like three months of the year when it's cold and polluted outside. When it has that much of an impact on everyone's lives, how do people in Delhi feel about the air pollution? Well, I think there's this sort of general frustration that it happens every year, but then also this kind of odd situation of this kind of forgetting. So every year it comes round and every year people seem kind of shocked and surprised. And, you know, I had this moment where, you know, last year during lockdown, the air in Delhi was the purest it had been. It was so wonderful to be out in the city. You know, it was sort of alpine levels of pure air. You know, you understand how much better that is to live in a place when the air is clean. In India's capital city, New Delhi, the smog has been so bad that the air quality index recently reached 499. And just to put that into context, the scale doesn't actually go any higher than 500. So what's causing it to get so high this time every year? It's a question I put to Karthik Ganesan, a fellow and director at the Council on Energy, Environment and Water in New Delhi. In the case of India, you know, and specifically Delhi, right, you know, it sits in the middle of you know, what is otherwise the dust bowl of the country, right? which means that there is definitely a high level of ambient dust. That is one part of it. Right? Delhi, of course, is a city with phenomenally wealthy people, and that translates to this phenomenal dependence on private transport, which is a big source of emission. You've got industry, which is power plants and industrial units, which manufacture, you know, ranging anything ranging from steel to cement. You've got household energy use. The heating is basically through the burning of biomass in open sort of, you know, open furnaces. And firewood is very much sort of the prevailing fuel that is used for cooking, which endangers, of course, the women and children who are exposed to it in those households. But at a national level, about 30% of our ambient pollution actually comes from within households. Finally, you know, what else is missing? You've got waste burning. When you don't segregate waste, when you don't have systems that actually, you know, collect and, you know, manage them in a decentralized manner, you've got, of course, the landfills that form. Somebody's got to, you know, get rid of it. And, you know, when, when, when the people who are responsible for it, the, you know, the civic entities don't have the means to actually, you know, haul it away, they burn it. So there were all these different causes. But at this time of the year, there's extra sources of air pollution, like the Festival of Diwali, where firecrackers have become really popular, crop burning in Delhi and surrounding states. And then on top of all that, there's the weather. Many people will be surprised when actually when they say that Delhi actually has a proper winter, right? They think of India as a country with tropical climate. True for most parts. You know, as you sort of go up the northern latitudes, right, where Delhi is, 
and the you know the the influence of the himalayas sort of starts kicking in and you find that we've got really cold winters when and when you have these winters you basically find that the ability of pollutants that are released at the ground level right to mix with the upper layers of the atmosphere is limited think of it as sort of a lid that sort of sits on top of the city an atmospheric lid and everything that you emit kind of stays within that that boundary layer could be as low as you know tens of meters so you can imagine when all of that stuff gets emitted and stays there right it's really bad so that's sort of like that umbrella you know factor i mean what does this do to the people on the ground the university of chicago at uh, you know the energy policy institute has come up with a very unique air quality life index the number that i last remember for delhi for an adult who lives through the city right is about 6 years or so of your life is lost if you lived your entire life in the city which is you know which is tragic you know in fact it scares me every day uh, you know because i've got a 5 year old uh, you know and i've got my wife who i convinced them to move here right so all of these obviously are uh, concerning but that's why you know we continue to stay here and we're trying to work on it i mean that is really shocking and as you say it's obviously quite scary for the people who have to experience it year after year and this year to try and reduce some of the more serious and immediate impacts delhi has ordered schools and offices and construction sites closed I mean is it just a matter of not going outside and keeping the windows closed or do houses and flats have any ways to prevent that air pollution getting in Let me give you a first hand experience of how this works I've basically got a rubber lining under every one of my doors to ensure that it's kind of seals airtight at the bottom and I can tell you that if I would run an air purifier in my room and stop it at some point in a matter of half an hour the air quality within sort of more or less equilibrate with the outside right because you know indian houses by design are meant for ventilation so staying at home basically implies that you're spared the acute exposure on the road side you know children going to school you know if they're commuting all of that you get spared because those levels can be much higher than the ambient but staying at home necessarily doesn't really change that much because you're at levels where it's just you know the impact and the damage is already done i was really struck by the fact that the air pollution isn't that much better inside than outside even for those that have the privilege of being able to take some preventative measures and with the sources of this smog being so systemic and wide ranging i asked hana is the government doing enough Well there are some things that are being done which are sort of purely optics. Um there was, you know, they've done things like spray water into the air. They've built these smog towers which are essentially sort of large fans and air purifiers which work with about sort of 1 km radius around them and then do very little for the actual whole city. But there are also some things they've done which have had a substantial impact. Coal-fired power stations have been shut down in the city. Diesel trucks have been taken off the road during the day. Public transport is now all run on natural gas, and that includes a lot of taxis. Construction has been limited. So, yeah, they have, to be fair to the Delhi government, flattened the pollution curve, but it's not coming down. And the levels at which it currently sits are unacceptable and unhealthy and unlivable for you know 20 million residents of the city. You're living in this pollution. Now, how do you feel about this 
winter of smog ahead. I feel really sad because I feel like I see, you know, this wonderful city full of amazing people who are being poisoned. And that's something that, you know, needs to change like quicker than it is because it is unacceptable that, you know, this many people have to endure this kind of air. Hannah, thank you so much. No problem. Thanks to both Hannah Ellis-Peterson and Karthik Ganesan. If you'd like to read Hannah's reporting on Delhi's air pollution, you can find links on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. And that's it from us this week. We'll be back on Tuesday. See you then. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.